Good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad that you've chosen to join us through this live streaming today. We want to welcome you. We always want to encourage you to send in your prayer request, uh, and we'll pray for you about these things or comments about uh, the message or the, uh, the, our church or anything that maybe you'd like to communicate with us about. So we pray that you're doing well and uh, praying that you stay safe and uh, pray that God will heal you if you're facing some difficulties, uh, challenges with health or financial situations or whatever it may be. We just pray you'll be encouraged during this time and we do welcome you here today. We need to continue to pray uh, against the coronavirus and pray for those that are in harm's way. Pray for, we were just talking about our, our nursing home situation <clears throat> where there are people who have been cooped up in those nursing homes for three months and they cannot get out and nobody can come in. So we need to pray that God would give grace to everyone that's in these particular facilities that they have to be. Again, that they would be uh, actually, would, would really sense the freedom that they have in Jesus Christ and reflect upon their spiritual walk with him. But uh, again, we pray for each and every one of them. So let's begin with prayer today. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. We thank you for the privilege that we can call upon the name of the Lord. And we know, Father, today we do that. And we ask you, Father, that you would come and touch us and speak to us. We pray, Father, that your word would come forth and deliver us. And we pray today, Father, that you do a mighty work as we share from your word. We know your, your word is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. And so, Lord, we today uh, pray that you would touch us in a, a deep manner. We pray for those who are, uh, are going through this coronavirus. We pray for healing. We pray, Father, for a quick recovery from these things that we're facing. But also, Father, that uh, that coronavirus would just go away. We ask you, Lord, to take care of it, eradicate it. Lord, distinguish it, just extinguish it and take care of it. And we pray, Father, for those that are in harm's way, that you would cover them in the blood of Jesus and that you would protect them and protect others, Lord, who are gathering even today. We pray that today. Father, we pray that uh, you would open the, the churches back up, that churches would feel free and also safe, that people would be able to come back together and congregate and worship you corporately. And we thank you for this privilege. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We ask you, Holy Spirit of God, to come. We welcome you. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts as we share, as we glorify our Lord. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to read here from John chapter 4, and we're going to read the first 30 verses. And the title of this message is The Road to Redemption, talking about, obviously, the lady at the well. And so we'll read together. The Pharisees, in verse 1, heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. And although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. And when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, and so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, and near the plot of land Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and he was about, it was about the sixth hour. And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God 
and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank it from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of living water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, go tell your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said just what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Interesting story here about how this lady, lady, the Samaritan woman at the well, the Samaritan lady, is there on her road to redemption, understanding. And so we see here, as we look at this, we'll see a radical change in this lady as she arrives, arrives there at the well with guilt and shame and she leaves with joy proclaiming the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ here. Jesus is coming along and he takes the road there from Jerusalem to Samaria, Samaria on his way to Galilee. He's tired. He's thirsty. He plops down at this old well, obviously resting for a moment there at the well. And it's obviously uh, these things, when we think about ministry, they don't always come at a convenient time, do they? They never always come. And so Jesus was there. He was tired. And, and here somebody is coming up on him. And uh, he begins to talk to this woman at the well. And I believe this is a defining moment, we believe. And I believe what you could call it to be is a divine encounter, a time where obviously God has set up for Jesus to talk to her about the gospel, the good news. What a wonderful Heavenly Father we have who does this on a regular basis. And I do believe that if we pay more attention in our life, we will see opportunities to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ and who He is and what He has done in our lives and that salvation that comes from no one else except Jesus will be able to share that. But a lot of times we get too busy, don't we? We're too busy to really to stop and reflect upon those things. And, and so obviously at this particular time, Jesus was getting, being given an opportunity by, her by his father to be able to share the good news. And so here we are this morning. I believe today, not by chance, we're not here just to sort of like we've sort of come in to reform, 
perform our religious duties, but we're here, obviously, by divine providence. I believe the people that come to this church as well as other places that are worshiping today or wherever you might be, you're there because of God's divine providence. And so the question is, what will God say to you and me during the next 30 minutes of this message? I believe what wonderful changes might he make in our lives because I believe that God is never inactive, that God is working in your life and he's working in my life. He's never obviously on the sidelines sort of letting things happen. He is involved with every aspect of our life and so we need to have uh, spiritual eyes to see, obviously spiritual ears to hear and to be able to uh, walk with the Lord in intimacy each and every moment of every day. And so there are three aspects that I want to look at in Jesus' encounter with this Samaritan woman there at the well today. <clears throat> and that, that time will actually result in this lady coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first is, I believe, something that's very, very important, and that is the love and acceptance that Jesus showed to this lady at the well. Uh, obviously, this lady comes up to the well. She has no spring in her step. She actually drags herself along the path, obviously. On her shoulder is a large clay jar. It's heavy, but obviously her weariness is not just from carrying that large clay jar, but obviously life has worn her completely out. Do you ever feel like that? Feel like life is just wore, you just wore out. That life has placed this on you. And sometimes it's the burdens that we have because we haven't released them and put them in the hands of the Lord. They're emotional strains that we have. They're spiritual things that we have that God never intended for us to carry, but we are to place these on Jesus. But the lady here is coming to the well and she is very tired and she's, uh, she's trying to make it there and so forth. And so as she gets closer, Jesus looks into her eyes, I believe, and Jesus can see the pain that she carries as a result of her life and, and painful memories and dashed hopes that this lady has had, failed relationships, and obviously the guilt-written conscience that this lady had. Jesus can see these things there as she approaches Jesus. I believe that probably she's around 40 years old, old enough to experience, obviously, the five troubled marriages that she had. She was in a relationship with a man that she wasn't married to at that particular time, but she had gone through a lot. She, her life showed that, you know, and I believe, obviously, the sin in our lives will so somehow, obviously, many times bring us down physically and emotionally. And we were, again, never intended to carry the load of this. God said to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. And so it's about high noon. And the sun's heat was bearing down, obviously, very, very hot. And all sounds like to me a, a Houston summer. The heat is bearing down and all. And uh, <clears throat> Jesus is sitting there. And Jesus does something, I think, so very wonderfully. And that is something the way we should see people today also. You know, he didn't judge him. He, she, he didn't judge this lady. He didn't somehow uh, come up with the self-righteous uh, things that he could say and so forth. He, he was there. He looked at the lady and he, he was listening to the lady and he stayed there. And remember, obviously, the, the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans because the Samaritans were what the Jews considered they were half-breeds and so forth, and they were rejected by the Jews. And so it was not really customary that a Jew would actually be in, the, in that place, and also that it would be very uncustomary that a Jew, a Jewish man, would talk to a Samaritan woman. And so this totally blew this lady's mind and, and understanding what was going on. What is it about this man 
called Jesus there sitting at, at the well. Obviously, the lady came to the well at a time when probably the other ladies had already come to the well. It's because she came because she didn't want to be judged by them. She had been through a, a pretty rough lifestyle and so forth, and, and uh, she, she, she came at a time where maybe she could kind of come undercover. And here Jesus is sitting at the well. I think about maybe what type of abuse this woman had gone through. Maybe, the, obviously, as we know, the five disastrous marriages and, and obviously that preceded the abuse maybe when she was a child. And what were, were her first thoughts when this man Jesus first spoke to her? What does this man really want and, and all? Because you see, this woman has street smarts. She knows. She knows what men were doing many times when they proposition her and so forth. He's sitting there and all. So she, she knew. She was very wise in that protect, particular way. And, and Jesus is sitting there. So think about maybe what she was thinking. And Jesus asked her to give him a drink. <clears throat> it was something that she was not expecting, again, because, again, she said, you are a Jew speaking to me, a Samaritan. And, again, what's wrong with this picture? I believe she's thinking here. And so she's thinking, what's up here? And so, obviously, uh, it's talking about here, and you Jews do not drink out of the same vessel as we Samaritans do, you know? And Jesus is wanting a drink of the water here. And so we see here, and, and, and down through history, the racial, pre the racial prejudice that took place as a result uh, held by the Jews against the Samaritans, certainly here. And the Jews considered the Samaritans to be apostates because they didn't come to the temple for worship. They actually worshiped there in Samaria. And so they were, it was complete rejection from this particular race of people. And here again, Jesus is sitting by the well. And so this woman was very surprised that Jesus, a Jew, would even speak, speak to her here. And Jesus asked her, her to give him a drink of water. Let me tell you, the question is, when Jesus asks you for something, He's actually wanting to give you something better. And that's true in our life too. And Jesus will ask us for something. He will ask us maybe to sacrifice something that we're holding on to dearly because maybe we're saying, well, I can't let this go. And he will ask that, but he's always asking us so that he can give us something better. Always keep that in mind when Jesus asks you maybe to sacrifice something or to do something for him. He always has something better in mind for each one of us. There are all kinds, obviously, I believe, of lessons on evangelism in this story here. And certainly the first is his love and acceptance of this woman here, this person. Obviously, he uh, invests time with her. He listens to her. I've always talked about people are looking for people to listen to them. People just need to be heard. Many times, uh, certain really difficult situations can be ironed out just by listening to somebody. But we're so busy that we don't tend to really stop and, and to listen to people. And really, I mean, and I'm not talking about just sort of superficially listening. I believe what maybe the psychologists call as active listening is it enter into that conversation, enter into that realm of where that person is and that true empathy can come forth. I believe people can be healed just for by listening. And so this was what was happening at that time. And I believe it's foundational to this woman's conversion. You see, it's impossible to reach a person for Christ and, and reject that person at the same time. There has to be a certain acceptance there. And we talk about the fact, well, there's so many people, they're different than we are. Everybody's different and all. And so there has to be, there has to be some trust there. 
there has to be from that person that, that you're listening to and all, that, that you really are interested and that you're really concerned and that you really care. And this is what was happening in that interaction with Jesus and the lady at the well. And so the people have to feel love and acceptance before they can risk dealing with their sin when you talk about it. John Maxwell says this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, if you care about them. And see, that's built upon relationships. And that's why I've always talked about, even in this COVID-19 situation, uh, churches not being able to move, to meet together. And we have the Zoom meetings and we have different types of uh, technology today to continue on. And that's all great and good, but not something about meeting personally and looking at people face to face that certainly it makes all the difference. And it brings and, and bridges the gap between us and understanding that being face to face. The Bible says in Hebrews that we weren't, we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some have done, but we encourage one another every day we see that day approaching. We see that every day. And it's very important, obviously, to listen to people. And listen to this particular story again. And this based upon John Maxwell when he talks about people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And this is a little illustration here in this book entitled The Whisper Test. And it's by Mary Ann Bird writes this. She said this, I grew up knowing I was different and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate and when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I looked to others. A little girl with a, a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. And when schoolmates asked, what happened to your lip? I'd tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. And somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident to have been born different. I was convinced that no one outside my family could love me. There was, however, a teacher in the second grade whom I always adored. Mrs. Leonard was her name. She was short, round, happy, and a sparkling lady. And annually, we had a hearing test. And Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everyone in the class. And finally, it was my turn. I knew from past years that as we stood against the door and covered one ear, the teacher sitting at her desk would whisper something. And we would have to repeat it back. Things like, the sky is blue. Or do you have new shoes? And I waited there for those words that God must have put in her mouth. Those seven words that changed my life, Mrs. Leonard said in her whisper, I wish you were my little girl. I think this woman at the well heard something like that from her Heavenly Father that day. I wish you were my little girl. She heard that in her heart of hearts as Jesus approached her in that manner. Perhaps God is whispering that in our hearts today. Someone watching this or someone here in this sanctuary or, or that God is whispering to you, I, I wish that you were my child. I love you. I've loved you from, from eternity past and I want, to I want you to live with me throughout eternity. Maybe someone today is listening to that and you're feeling your Heavenly Father whisper that in your heart. Maybe society or culture has, has rejected you for whatever the reason may be. Maybe it's somehow you've strayed off that path that you felt like you'd never stray off of and you somehow you just feel like you can't come back and God Almighty's saying, come back to me. I love you. He's whispering that in your heart even as we speak today. And so we see the first and that is the love and acceptance of of Jesus to this lady. And I want to tell you, that's the first step in evangelism and telling people about Jesus. You see, all of this is about love. 
You know, I can be gifted and I can have all the talent in the world and so forth, but if I don't love, it's to no use. It's no, to no avail. And it's the love and acceptance that we feel by our Heavenly Father. It's things I believe God is doing in our hearts today and re- revealing His love to us because many people are walking in shame and guilt and all these things, and God has forgiven you. You've asked God, but it seems like these things continue to hang on, and God has forgiven you today because of His love. His love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And that's the first step to evangelism is love and acceptance. The second step is conviction here. We see conviction actually is a precious gift from God, the ability to look honestly at what is going on in your life there. In verse 10, Jesus surprises this woman with an offer of something she desperately needs and is unconsciously seeking living water, spiritual life, and fulfillment. She is obviously a relationship junkie. What has caused her to go from one failed relationship to another? What drove her to shameful promiscuity? She was looking for somebody to really sincerely love her. And she felt the love from Jesus here. And so there was conviction here. And we see here she had gone through probably the pain of divorces and so forth. And you, can you imagine the emotional pain that this lady is going through? And maybe you've gone through emotional pain in your life and so forth. And you have, well, I want to tell you, just today you have a Savior who, who reaches out to you who offers you that gift of life. And maybe you've seen life has not turned out the way that you thought it would. And Jesus is saying, come to me if you're burdened and heavy laden and I will give you rest for your soul. Jesus is saying today, run to me. I will provide that life because you see there's no other life and no other name. His name is Jesus. The only life that we have is through Jesus. This lady is being stirred in her heart, I'm sure, at this particular time. She's beginning to see she wasn't rejected by this man. She didn't understand it at this point, but she wasn't rejected. But the pain is there. And she was actually just trying to emotionally survive through her her lifetime and so forth. But obviously, she's always looked for temporary relief. And don't we always, we look for temporary relief in other places instead of running into the arms of Jesus? When we've blown it really bad, many times that we look in all the places except for Jesus, and Jesus waits there with His arms wide open and say, come to me. I'm the one that can release you from this. I want to obviously free you from this burden that you're carrying. And that's who this lady was looking, obviously. And then we see here, verse 16, uh, Jesus brings up the sin of adultery. It's not designed to shame her or belittle her or humiliate her. It's actually a design to awaken a reality check in her soul. She's trapped in bondage that she can't pull herself out of. And, and she's defeated day in and day out because of these things. Obviously, one definition of insanity, obviously, is to keep on doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Her life, obviously, is not working. Something has got to change. And obviously, by his question, Jesus is stimulating her desire for change. She has obviously tried to find the answer in romantic relationships. But obviously, the answer, obviously, her deepest need is not there. It's, it's her need is for that living water. It's for a relationship of Jesus Christ where life really is, you see. When Jesus, when she is brought face to face with the facts, what does she do? She gets re- very religious. And I find that to be true sometimes today. I share uh, Christ with people. 
and they begin to say, okay, well, I know God about this and that and so forth and, and all, and God's convicting their heart, and God wants to get to the root of that and get them to, to a place to where they'll confess their sins, and we begin to become very, very religious. What does that do? We try to put God off. We try to obviously reject that conviction because we don't like this conviction, this pain in our heart, and yet from that pain, God brings healing, and this is what was happening with this lady at the well. His healing was getting ready to take place. She began to talk a lot of religion. And you know she was talking about it. Uh, and the religious teaching here in verse 20, it talks about it. Our father, she says, worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And so I see this all the time. People begin to talk religiously, you know. And they'll talk about maybe some things they've learned here and there. Some maybe they are but certainly scriptural and so forth but they don't know personally Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And this is what this, this woman's obviously situation was and her obviously desire to know what was going on here. And so obviously uh, Jesus is saying here, lady, I'm talking about a spiritual reality in your life, not just an intellectual change of dogma, not trying to get your doctrine right, not trying to find out about your history here as far as your country is concerned. I'm talking about something real personal to you. I'm talking about something where your life will change forevermore. And this living water that I'm talking about will be found by you. That's what Jesus is talking about, obviously. I believe conviction is very important because sometimes people we can just run over and just accept Jesus. And certainly we need to do that. But the conviction of knowing that we're forgiven and that we're sinners, and we know the Bible talks about that, that we have sinned against God and Him alone have we sinned against Him. It's our sins against a holy God. And we've got to be convicted of that and understand that He is holy and righteous. There's no way to Him except through Jesus Christ His Son. And so we've got to realize that conviction and respond that conviction because without conviction... Uh, there can can be no true repentance. And without a sincere turning from evil to God, there can be no real transformation of the heart. The acceptance that Christ granted this woman provided a, a safe atmosphere of love. And that's what was happening. That's why he accepted her. He accepted her. And we, we should accept people too. Because people, if they know we trust them and people that we care about them, they can share those things that obviously will stay between us. God knows but we'll stay between us and we can share the truth and love here and people can receive healing and forgiveness and deliverance. That's what life is all about. This lady was experiencing that there at the well. And so she was convicted here. And so obviously I talk about the church. The church should be a safe place where people can come in and they can share their burdens and be open with one another and find that there's confidentiality and share the things on their hearts and receive prayer, knowing that it will not go any further, that God knows and they want to be set free. But so many people today, when you walk past them, you say, how are you doing? And they go, oh, I'm doing fine. How about you? And that's the extent of the particular conversation. That's it. You see, the church should be a place where we can come and we can share our hearts and all. But you've got to feel love first. and You've got to feel acceptance. We've got to be able to do that. We've got to put our religions aside and just come and say, Jesus, come in. Come into our church. Touch every heart in this church today because sometimes that old religion, it gets in the way, just like it did with the, the Pharisees when they had so many rules and regulations. They couldn't even keep all of them. 
And so often the church has, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. Yes, we have a, a word, the word of God to guide us through life and certainly today. But when you put those do's and don'ts above everything else, it's obviously it blots out that love and acceptance because people say, I can't live up to that. That's more bondage on me. I've already got enough bondage on me as it is. And so she was convicted here. You see this. And then the third thing here is the revelation. The revelation, obviously, she got a revealed look at herself. She began to look with inside. And you could say this is progressive revelation in a very short period of time, that things were being shown to her as a result of this. Okay, And as she approaches the well, she sees Jesus like any other Jewish man here. And when he initiates the conversation with her, she begins to realize that the common prejudices are not there. He's often, obviously, he stimulates her, her interest when he begins to talk to her. And so she was respectful when she says, Sir, sir. She's addressing him very, very respectfully. And obviously, after Jesus exposes her life with his comments about the five previous husbands and the current live-in boyfriend, she's realizing that something supernatural is going on. Remember, in this divine encounter, whenever God does that in your life and you feel like you're not in that place where you are by accident and God wants to do something, remember, this is a divine encounter that God is up to something. And so there are things that you speak that certainly will hold supernatural power as you talk to people about their lives and about who Jesus is. And we need to realize that when we step out and believe that. And this is what was happening at this particular time. There was something supernatural that was happening. How do you know I've had five husbands and the one I'm living with now is not my husband? How do you know this, okay? Because I believe God, Jesus got a word of knowledge. You know, God speaks to us today. God still speaks to us. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his gifts. He speaks through people. He speaks through circumstances. Many different ways God speaks. I can name them, go down them. But God speaks through that way for us to be able to minister to people. God is, has his heart set upon people who want to know him and who he desires, he loves and needs to come into the kingdom of God. This lady obviously sees there's something supernatural here. And then she goes on, she says, I can see that you are a prophet. <clears throat> there in verse 25, the, re the revelation's beginning to progress and look at what she says. I know that Messiah called Christ is coming and when he comes, he will explain everything to us, okay? The explanation, obviously, Jesus had given about the Father's desire for true worshipers was so anointed of the Spirit that she began to realize that Jesus is the Christ. She began to realize what was happening, obviously. And she does it, does it because she's obviously, not because she's unconvinced when she asks questions here, but because they would not receive it from her as a, a direct statement, or she would not. And when we, obviously, sometimes when we're witnessing to people, we can ask questions. What do you know about God? What has your, been your experience? And who do you believe God is? Do you believe there is God? Do you believe there is eternal life? Do you believe there's something beyond this life? You can ask with questions like that. And then people can share. And then you can begin to share with people about who Jesus is. You see, the woman's transformation began with a genuine personal acceptance expressed to her by Jesus. Then a conviction of her sin that was destroying her life. And then a revelation of Jesus as the Christ who could give her new life, her transformation, is a wonderful example of God's love and grace for sinners and his ability to totally change our lives. In verse 10, Jesus said to the woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him 
and he would have given you living waters. Isn't that often why people don't come to God or church? Because they just don't know. They just don't know. Sometimes people think they do know. They think they know what God is like, what the church is like. But in reality, they have a very limited understanding of what this is all about. If they knew, uh, obviously, they would talk, they, that would be actually revelation there, certainly here. And if they knew God's heart towards them, if they knew the gift that God wants to give them, if they knew who Jesus is and, and what he's already done for them, then they would ask. He knew it. But people have questions. And so we need to be ready to answer those questions about Jesus and who he is and what he's done in our life. You know, many times we just have to give our testimony of who God is to give his, his testimony. What, what's God done in my life? God changed my life. Maybe he's changed you. You see, asking. The Bible says ask and it shall be given. We receive. Receiving is based on asking and asking is based on knowing. And that's why revelation is so important. If you only knew, he goes on to say here, if you only knew. You know, I really have a desire to see people come to Jesus. I have a desire to see a major awakening across this land, a major revival in the church today, waking our hearts today, to pierce our hearts in recognition of who Jesus is in our lives. But you know something, I do believe that that Jesus is doing something so wonderfully today and revealing himself. I believe that God's spirit is beginning to move. I begin believe that God is doing these great things and not because of anything in us, but because he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. He loves people today. And I want to see, obviously, things change in our city. I want to see the places of, of ill repute, as it may be said, or the places that may be not of ill repute, but the places that are not obviously the best of what God would have for people today, emptied out and people come into the church house and come to a re receptive message of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Jesus and get saved. That's what my heart is all about today. And I believe God is up to, up to that. And so the question is today, have there been some love acceptance in your life? Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you feel like that you've wandered away and because maybe somebody, even maybe a Christian, has hurt you. Maybe somebody from the church. Maybe somebody is sort of like their, their religious, pious nature and so forth drove you away and said, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. If Christianity is like that, I want to tell you today, Christianity should be that relationship, that love and acceptance of you and people around us that are looking for this acceptance today. And the church should be the place where they receive it. The church should be that place. And we can come together and understand that God loves us. Because he loves us and he sent his only begotten son into the world. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But you see, we have to receive. We have to make a moral choice to receive what God has done for us. He initiated it and we need to obviously respond in that. But maybe today, Maybe they're on your heart today. <clears throat> you can identify with the woman at the well. Or maybe today you're on your own personal road to redemption. Maybe some things have been stirring in your heart by the Holy Spirit of God. And you're seeing today that maybe something is being initiated in your heart that you've never experienced before. And you don't know what it is. You know it very well could be. Our Heavenly Father has begun to call you.
begin to woo you and begin to do things in your heart and your life and you're wondering what's going on, you know. How, what are we doing? What's, can you give me any answers today? And you see people around us, people that love the Lord and people that will love you and accept you for who you are. So we need to give answers today. And so the church today should be that place. And so I want to invite you, if you have any comments, if you feel that in one way or another you've never received Jesus as, as your personal Lord and Savior, and maybe this COVID-19 situation has maybe put you, you know, in a state of alert and saying, what would happen if I went in the hospital with this, uh, this virus and, and it didn't come out? What would happen? Are you ready for that? I want you to know today Jesus is, wants to come in your life. Jesus wants you to know him personally. If you're hurting, Jesus is the answer. Run to Jesus. If you're thirsty for God here, maybe there's a thirst that's being welled up. And maybe, again, you don't, you don't know what's happening, but you know something supernatural is happening today. You see, God could very well be drawing you into that relationship with Jesus Christ. Obviously, do you need his help today? Then you need just ask him. If you ask him today, you see, that is an act of humility. And what that says is that, that we can't do this on our own. We're dependent upon God. And when that happens, God, he comes in like a flood today. And when you ask him to do that, he will help you. He will respond to you. You have a sincere heart. Come, come to the Lord and, and ask him. Believe that he will be the one that you need at this particular time of your life. No matter what you're going through in life today, because God opens his arms to you this morning with the same offer of love and forgiveness and receptivity that he did there to the Samaritan woman at the well. The same God that did that with this woman over 2,000 years ago is the, is the same God that's opened his arms to you today and wants you to come and get real real with him, get real transparent with him because he already knows he's God and he wants to receive you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to take that shame and that guilt and, and that burden of that sin off of you because of what he did. He never intended for you to carry it. And so as you come today, maybe today I'll just pray a prayer. Maybe if you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your life, today would be the day. And, and uh, I just a simple prayer, and I'll pray it together. You can pray with me as I pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today, and I'm burdened. I'm heavy, heavily laden down with this sin. I know that I have sinned against you. I've been convicted of that sin. I, I realize I've sinned against you and I have done what is evil in your sight. And I come to you humbly this day and I open my heart to you and I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life and save me. Be my personal Lord and Savior. Save me. And I want to live with you throughout eternity. And I want to begin that today by receiving you into my life, being cleansed of all that those things in my life today and coming before you clean afresh. I want a new step in my, a new, new uh, height to my step. I want to come today and lay my burdens at your feet and I want to receive you, to know you and walk with you and to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's you today. And said, I come into my heart. I know you're the Savior of the world. I know I want you as my personal Lord and Savior. If there's anybody today that's watching this or listening to this today, if you're not sure, make it right today. God's Spirit is tugging on your heart. And He's spoken to you. And you think, what is going on? 
I believe God is beginning to tug at your heartstrings, and He wants you to know Him personally and intimately. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for the privilege of coming before Your throne of grace and seeking You, asking for that help that we need in our time of need. I pray for each person here today, and I pray for all of those watching that they would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, like I said, we pray that your spirit would move so powerfully and convict so powerfully that, Lord, all the, the places around would be emptied out that are not like you and not, obviously, pleasing unto you. And we pray flood pe people's hearts all over this nation with your glory. Show us your glory, Lord. Touch us this day. May Jesus Christ be honored, praised, and exalted. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. Amen.